This is Georgia Bulldogs by the numbers. My name is Tug Coward along with Brent Rollins. We're going to cover the Georgia offense. You know the defense is good, so we're going to cover the Georgia offense in depth, get you some grades there. We'll look at the SEC championship versus Alabama and then the college football playoffs and what to expect out of your Georgia Bulldogs. We'll discuss it next on Georgia Bulldogs by the numbers. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Doug Coward, along with Brent Rollins of UGASports.com and Pro Football Focus College. My son, Jacob, and I went to the Georgia-Georgia Tech game, and I mean no disrespect by talking about this. Going to that game, I was obviously cheering for the Bulldogs, as was 99.8% of the building. I could not believe what I saw. It was like 9-1 to Georgia fans at Bobby Dodd. It's amazing. You saw some of the pictures, but you seeing that live, it makes it even more amazing in and of itself. But yeah, if you're Todd Stansberry and you're Georgia Tech's athletic director, that's kind of a not good thing where your building is being taken over by the rival. The few Georgia Tech fans who were there were all very gracious, very kind. One family even bought us Chick-fil-A. Hey, there you go. Literally, they're like, we're going to get some Chick-fil-A. Do y'all want anything? And we're like, no, 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 we're all good. And they brought us back Chick-fil-A anyway. So I'm telling you, they were the kindest people that you've ever met. And I only saw one instance where a Tech fan was leaving and he had had about 30 cold pops. He was wearing a Georgia Tech pullover and an Alabama hat. He had already planned this out. As he was leaving, he would get down, point to the Georgia fans, and then just point to his hat which was the Alabama hat. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's what you're re- you're resorting to? So you're like pulling for Tech, and then if Tech is in the tank, you, now you're an Alabama fan. You already but knew Tech just... was going to be in the tank. I think that's where the, the wisdom of that attire decision came from. I just can't imagine that livelihood. That, that Me either. Like a... <laughs> that's terrible, right? Like, my team's right. terrible, so I'm pulling against the team that's playing you. It is what it is. It, it is what it is. We won't cover the defense because we've already discussed how great Georgia's defense is. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll ask you this question from a grading perspective. With Alabama really struggling with a six-win Auburn team to play defense and their offensive line didn't look good, I, Georgia, this looks like a year that Georgia could really absolutely embarrass Alabama. If you remove the, the A on the side of the helmet or the you know, you know the – Alabama name and the history and the Saban. If you remove all those things and just look at how the two teams have played, Georgia's two touchdowns better. Yeah, easily. They just are across the board. However, 
there are two players in this game, and when we when we get to that game, there's two players that you know if they are the best players on the field, Alabama has a chance. We'll get to that in a little bit. Let's start with Georgia's offense. The coolest thing that happened on Georgia's offense for me, other than Brock Bowers, good lord, was the fact that George Pickens came in and had a reception for five yards. He didn't score a touchdown necessarily. You wondered because he had tweeted and posted on Instagram his jersey, so you knew he was there, you knew he traveled, but he didn't come out for the first play of the game, but he did for the second play, which was more of a decoy for James Cook, but it was awesome, and the crowd blew up. Everybody responded to it. As they should, and it's one of those things where early in the week, or early and even midweek, I thought he was going to play. And and I even said it on a podcast uh, or around the, around the league podcast that we do talking about the SEC with Coach Don and, and, and Dan Young. I said, look, he's going to, to me, he's going to get five to eight plays. He's going to get at least one target and get ready to roll against Alabama in the SEC championship game. He got six plays. He got one target. He got a reception. He was actually probably the primary target on another play where Stetson got sacked. Yep. And Stetson held on the ball a yeah, little long because he That's wanted right. to get him the ball. That was the perfect deal for him. That was perfect just in terms of what he needed to be able to get off that schneid and you know, get over that sort of mental hump to go be ready to play against Alabama. Because you know, I, felt, I felt all along, because uh, here at North Oconee, our high, local high school, their you know, wide receiver, defensive back, one of their best players on, on the team, eight months post-ACL, he was in the game and playing. Once I saw that, and once I saw how good he looked and how good he's played all year, I knew Pickens was going to be ready to play by the SEC championship game. Some of the other positions, you had Zamir White, you had uh, James Cook that were stellar, but look, Kenny McIntosh and Dijon Edwards were dicing folks up too. The running backs are insane what they have. Like I, I tweeted out actually earlier today uh, that you know the, the combo is you know, like the five running backs with you got White, Cook, Kenny Mack, Kendall Milton, who's only played about half the games, but uh, and then Dejan Edwards, right at about 1,900 yards, 24 touchdowns, over 100 missed tackles force between the five of them. If you just take, like, if you look at the three primary ones, because Kendall Milton hasn't played as much, if you look at Cook, White, and McIntosh, and you put all their stats together, they're basically Kenneth Walker. And, to, and that guy's, you know, being talked about for the Heisman. And so if you put all three of those together, their stats are basically the same uh, as Kenneth, if Kenneth Walker's at Michigan State. So, you know, the, the running game is there. And, and what was greatest about this game for me was the second drive of the game, the one that ended with the Burton touchdown, where Stetson just kind of flicked it off his back foot yep. you know, perfectly in stride into the, into, the, into the hole. But that drive had everything you needed to see to me to be like, okay. And we talked about it all last year, all the really the last two, couple of years. The offense means more. And now – You've got an offense where you look at it. They're number three in the FBS in yards per play. They're number six in scoring. They're number five in passing efficiency. And that's just not, that's more traditional stats, not PFF type stuff. And you think about the scoring, 40.7 points per game. That's a school record uh, ever in, in 12 games. They're being insanely efficient. And what we saw from Stetson in this game, the ability to take, like he took a check down to Zamir. He took a check down to Cook. You know, wanted to go deep and then hit Kears Jackson over the middle in that second drive. Like those throws right there, we talked about over the past few weeks. He does those things combined with the big playability. It's very, very good for Georgia fans. Yeah, but so, and I don't mean to put a yeah, but in there because I don't want to be a yeah, but guy. It was Georgia Tech. I mean, look, he he was great. Fourteen oh, yeah. for twenty. I get it. Four touchdowns is incredible. But it's 100%. Georgia Tech instead of Alabama. Yeah, and that's and that's unfortunate. Unfortunate for him, him being sets, and, and unfortunately for Kirby. Until they do it next week, that yell butt's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. Yeah. Now, if he goes out and has 19 for 25 for 265 and three scores next week, that yell butt goes away. It gets away. wiped away. And everybody looks at the, the playoff and, like, bring it on. 
no matter who comes before us, we are we are going to take take care of business. Yeah. Then you got uh, the wide receivers, the Jermaine Burton, Lad McConkey, both looked incredible. I was really impressed. I cheer for Lad because he's from North Murray High School in Chatsworth, Georgia, and I grew up just minutes away over in Dalton, Georgia. So anytime there's a player from that area, I have a soft spot for him. And look, I'll include Jameer Gibbs, the uh, the running back for Georgia Tech. I have a soft spot for him because he's a Dalton kid. Yeah. You know, the receiving court, when as it's gotten healthy, and now you get Pickens back, and some of the things that they were able to do formation wise like when you pick one is six snaps on three of picking six snaps they also had three tight ends in the game they had fitzpatrick bowers and darnell in the game like pickens was on the wide was on the opposite of the field one-on-one on kenny max uh 50 you know almost 50 yard touchdown run so you know you add that element to what they have with the backs what stetson's doing distributing the ball and what we've already said what they have at tight end and this is the thing for me. I even thought about this today, and it's, a, it's a, to me a legitimate question of college football in 2021. Would you rather have Georgia's three tight ends or would you rather have Ohio State's three wide receivers? I got to tell you, I'm taking the tight ends. Because, and, and that, I'm, I'm leaning that way myself because of what Bowers is as a speed guy. And we saw his speed. Goodness, just, did we ever. Just catch it and torch five Georgia Tech defenders uh, for about 70 yards. But when you have Bowers, Fitzpatrick, and Darnell, that especially Darnell and Bowers that are just matchup nightmares that you can throw to them anytime, you know, catch like crazy. You, you know, you look at Darnell, he's got guy draped all over him. They'll throw a high pass to him, catch easy Bowers housing a hitch or, or a little slant or going and getting a jump ball for a touch for a second touchdown of the game. Like those three guys, plus what then they add to the running game. Like you might almost, almost as an offensive coordinator or off guy who usually calls plays, I'd rather have those three tight ends than, Ohio State's three wide receivers. Now, my son Jacob, who is a, a Georgia fan through and through, he's eat up with it. If you're cancer, he'd be dead. He makes it tough for me to watch games with him because he gets so spun up about things and he's, why are we doing this or why are we doing it? Like he yells at the TV, Kirby's what? And Stetson, you know, just one of those so guys. So he's a true fan. He is a true blue through and through. Can't believe it until he sees it. And we'll argue about it no matter how good it is. And say we should have done it a different way to accomplish an even better goal. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He yep. is concerned that Darnell Washington will be in the transfer portal at the end of the season because he's not getting the receptions that maybe a Brock Bowers is. I don't think so. I don't either. But I'm telling you, that's he can't be the only one that's thinking that. No, and you know, it's one of those things where, you know, okay, he goes and then you get you know, Oscar Delp coming in yeah that's that's you know supreme talent at the position as well but I, I don't think he will be because i would bet that darnell is smart enough to see that he is a gronk type tight end yeah a sixth offensive lineman in the running game and a still receiving threat and mismatch in the passing game and you know if you're if you're six seven you know 275 280 like he is like if you want to, you want to go get catch fifty passes and get hit fifty times on your knees, or no? Or do you want to? Yeah. Or you want to, you know, block a little more and you know, and not get your knees taken out all all, all season long? I, I don't see him being in the transfer port at all. I think he's just he's too vital to their offense. Now I will say they, you could tell at certain times they make it a point to try to get him the ball. Yeah. As they should. Yeah, they should absolutely. Uh, and never forget about him and getting him the ball. But no, he he's but he I was he won't. I don't think he will end up in the transfer portal, but. He is phenomenal as a player. His, like on uh, on Kenny McIntosh's touchdown run, he ate two guys. Like t- just swallowed up two guys. Made made 
gave Kenny Mack the corner easily, uh, opened up a lane for the touchdown. But his ability to be, like I said, both that sort of – and he, if he really wanted to be, he could be a first-round pick as a tackle. Like, he's that dominating as a blocker and that athletic. Uh, now, obviously, he's definitely going to pass block a little better. But, you know, still yet, from an athletic and a talent perspective, he is a first-round talent. Yeah, And I no think doubt. he probably sees that where he's here one more year and then he's – you know, seeing what the league has to say in terms of wanting his services. Yeah, well, I think they'll have arms wide open for a guy like Darnell Washington. I mean, he's just mammoth. And when he does go up and make catches, it's just poetry in motion, if you will. What you have with him and Brock Bowers, like you have two players who are really unlike anything in college football on the same team. Darnell is a different level of human in terms of size, speed, combo, and ability to catch. Brock, in terms of size, speed, and you know, athleticism and all that goes with him. Like having those two guys, it allows Todd Munkin to just do so many different things, both in the running and the passing game, and makes your offense just enormously more hard to stop because of those two guys. Yeah, Brock with another 100-yard game, which is huge. Now third in the FBS in terms of overall tight end grade, number one in the Power Five, number one in touchdowns. The Mackey folks who did not have him as a finalist, Weidermeyer instead of from uh, A&M as a finalist, Bad job. Yeah, yeah. But, Bad job by them. But, I mean, what what am I missing? I mean, the, the freshman part's the only part that even that's dumb. Become close to uh, explain it, but still, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just, just dumb. dumb. I, get, show just me, dumb. <laughs> show me the guy that's that's producing, and yes, uh, and, I agree. and that stuff drives me absolutely insane. Georgia continues to uh, just outscore people. I hear the chirping a little bit. Who have they played? I have to push back on that a little bit. When they played, many of the teams that they played, they were all top 25 teams. I, I hate that argument as well because so much of that goes into how does that team playing at that moment in time? Like Arkansas did not feel any better about itself going into that Georgia game. They certainly did. They didn't feel it more confident at any point in this season because right after the Georgia game, they lost three straight. Auburn. Auburn couldn't have felt any better than what they were going into the Georgia game. Bo Nix was playing as well as he possibly could. Kentucky, they were at their peak prior to the Georgia game. Clemson. Clemson was <laughs> – now their offense is a lot better now, but you know their defense was as good as it's going to be that first week because of the guys that they had versus the guys that you know they eventually lost over time. You know, th- those teams all were – they were feeling as good as they possibly could going into that Georgia game. And that's right. that's why I don't worry too much about that stuff. Yeah, third shutout of the year, which is huge. I mean, I know we're not focusing on defense, but that's incredible, man, to, to shut teams out, including Arkansas, who put up a massive fight against Alabama. Yeah, I think I saw something along a stat, something about team, holding teams less than 17 or less for the entirety of this 12-game season or for 12 games, first time since, like, Texas maybe in 80 or 79. It's beyond insane what the defense is doing. And, and much like in 2017 when Chubb and Michelle came back and some of those other – and Carter Bellamy and some of those guys, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt coming back, Zamir White, James Cook coming back. Like, it, it definitely, from a leadership standpoint, you can tell it's mattered. Yeah, that's you can just 100 percent tell those guys are leaders. Is that a trend that you see continuing at Georgia? Do you think? Yes and no. And the the no part of that is like the Kobe and Trayvon Walker. I don't see them staying. They're going to be first round picks or you know right. early second round. Right. So you know when when you're that talented and you're projected that high in the draft, I think they're going to go. But I think if you're you know like you think about Jordan Davis, he was a maybe in the second round, you know first round talent you know, because he's so unique, but maybe a second round type guy. So him coming back and then all and to me the NIL changes everything. Sure it does. I think you're going to see a lot of that in college, like and you're going to see a lot of it in teams where like a Kentucky. 
Like if they can get Wandell Robinson back and and Will Levis and you know they, those guys back, that becomes an entirely different team instead yeah. of those guys being in the draft. So I think you're going to see that as a trend across football, yeah. especially because of the NIL. And one that I got to tell you, I've been in support of the whole time. I do think there are probably some unintended consequences that'll come along with it, but overall. I think there's nothing more American than making money off your own name. I'm not in favor of paying players like employees. I think that's ridiculous. I I think a college scholarship has value. To pretend Mm -hmm. it doesn't is silly. You have people doing it all the time. Well, a college scholarship means nothing. Okay, whatever. I think you're crazy for thinking that. I think a college scholarship does have an incredible amount of value to it. But I do love NIL as well. As a matter of fact, driving down to, and my son Jacob again pointed this out as we're driving we're 400 southbound right there where it joins 85 headed into downtown atlanta huge law firm well i think it's morgan and morgan and that you know they talk about how big their law firm is whatever and i'm right. not trying to give them a plug here or anything i'm just saying jordan davis was on their you yep. know their billboard he gets paid by them for nil my son aptly pointed out we're in the middle of downtown atlanta and you got yes. a big jordan davis you're four miles from georgia tech like uh, kirby's uh, son andrew had him on his sign after the game, Georgia does run uh, this state. Yeah, yeah, he, he does indeed. They do indeed. This is the Georgia Bulldogs by the Numbers podcast, so let's discuss Aladagumbama. I feel like, and I kept saying this, and people were getting mad at me at the watch party after we went to the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. We were watching, hanging out with some friends, and I said, Alabama is struggling with a six-win team a team that lost their quarterback and their backup quarterback is injured in the second quarter. Yeah, he was on one leg. Yeah, and and you still beat them in what four overtimes? Yes, which I mean, it, four overtimes even doesn't really have the meaning it used no, to. No, it doesn't because, because they do of, the the two whatever the two point play. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit like, silly. Like nine overtime game earlier in the year, but yes, Bama's still there. They're eleven and one. It's one of those things where you look across the board. They have two good receivers, two really good receivers, Mechie and, and Williams. Billingsley, the tight end, is a, is a really good athlete, but they don't use him as much as they could. He's not as big of a game changer as he probably could be. Their running back position is in dire straits right now. I think they have one scholarship running back that's healthy. Uh, the Robinson kid, I don't know that he plays in the SEC championship game. Their offensive line outside of Evan Neal is just weak. It's been getting beat on. Bryce Young has been getting pressured all year, but Bryce Young is that good. He's now the highest-graded quarterback in college football. He's going to avoid pressure, but to the goal of this game – is to hit him and hit him as often as you possibly can. And it doesn't have to be a sack. You know, feel it. Hey, a little bit of, you know, you you don't want to get the penalty where you land on him, but you want him to feel your presence all game. Like, that was a physical game for him against Auburn. He got beat up again. And here he's got to turn around and do it against an even faster defense and an even more athletic defense in front. Like, like I said, everything points to Georgia just being a two-touchdown better team than Alabama. But, one, you got to take care of the ball. Like, last year against Alabama, Stetson had, what, three interceptions? Yep. Two, you have to hit Bryce Young. But three, and most importantly, I think, is you have to block Will Anderson. Like, he is a game wrecker playing on another level right now for them. And they are doing a very good job of moving him around. If he's lined up on the edge, he's, you know, stunting around, wrapping around on the inside. If he Sometimes he's lining up on the interior. I could see them on the first few third downs putting him right over top of Warren Erickson and just trying to, you know, seeing if they, if they'll, Georgia will end up with those guys being one-on-one because that's bad for Georgia. You know, so if you get Will 
Will Anderson blocked in the passing game. And I think Georgia can do that with a lot of their RPO game, a lot of their play action game, things like that. I, I just think there's too much talent on Georgia's offense versus what Alabama has defensively uh, to, you know, I think they're going to wear them down. Uh, it's, it's my early feel in this game is very much a, it's a close game for three quarters and almost like a flip of the Alabama game last year where Georgia's hanging around into the second half and then Bama takes over into the fourth quarter and finishes them off. I feel like that's how this game's going to go from the Georgia more Georgia being on the right side of it. Yeah, being on the correct side, being on the good side, get that monkey off their back. Yeah, man, and you can never discount Nick Saban. I mean, he is the uh, the evil genius. Steve Spurrier was the thorn in Georgia's side for many, many years, but it seems like in the last few, it's been uh, Nick Saban. And Georgia and Alabama doesn't have a rich history of playing each other. This It's relatively yeah. new, but he's the Steve Spurrier, if you will. He is. And you know what's interesting, though, about this team for him, is that we always, when we think of Nick Saban, we always think of discipline. You know, they take care of the ball very good defensively, which they have been very good defensively for, you know, in, in certain areas, but they've been giving up a lot of points. Uh, you know, they give up, what, 35 to Arkansas or something like that, you know, and a lot of points they almost got beat by Florida and to teams that aren't, aren't that good. But the biggest thing when you look at sort of numbers, one that stands out to me is penalties. Georgia is. 16th in the FBS in terms of fewest penalties per game, something you know a little less than five. Alabama is 106th oh, wow. in the FBS in terms of penalties the game, almost you know seven and a half, you know a little, little about seven and a quarter penalties per game. That doesn't screen Nick Saban team to me. You know that'll be interesting to see because obviously many many Georgia fans are probably listening to this and saying, well we know what's going to happen in the yeah. SEC championship game because Alabama is going to. Tyler you know, Simmons Tyler's, was on sides. On sides, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And rightly all, of that, so. all that comes into play. But I will say this. it's One of the great things for Georgia is you want to beat Alabama. You want to knock them out of the playoff. But if you don't, if something happens that you don't, you're still going to be in the playoff. Yeah. And I still and I still think they won't set it up as a as a rematch. Like, for example, if Alabama wins this game, I think, or I think this week it'll be Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Alabama Cin- 3. Yeah, Cincinnati 4. And Cincinnati 4. And I do think if Alabama beats Georgia, Alabama will be 1. Michigan will still be two, Georgia three, Cincy four. They, they, they're going to do it, I think, to where it wouldn't be Alabama-Georgia back-to-back. Right, yeah, you know. However that. it worked out. Yeah. Maybe it had Michigan one, Alabama two, Cincy three, Georgia four. Like, you know, I think it's going to be where Georgia and Alabama don't play back-to-back, even if they do lose. If Georgia did happen to slip up in this game, I still think, like I said, they're not dropping to five. They're not taking their consensus number one team no. down to five. No, that's crazy. But now with Oklahoma State winning, if Georgia does happen to get beat, Michigan wins, and Oklahoma State wins, because I think Oklahoma State will be five uh, this week, could they leave since a 13-0 since the team out and put Oklahoma State in? Yes. As, a, as the Big 12 champ, I think that would actually happen. I think so, too. But, uh, well, yeah, we'll just have to see how it all shakes and bakes out. But I do feel pretty good about uh, the SEC championship. That's uh, from the Georgia fan perspective. Which, by the way, have you ever felt that way again? I, I don't know. In the national championship, I did feel pretty good uh, with 2017 or 2018, whatever year that was. 2017. Yeah. Um, I felt pretty good. And it and it wasn't until the very end that that you know they couldn't hang on and and I never believed in Tua. I still don't believe in Tua. Tua's doing exactly what I expected him to do in the NFL, and that's nothing. Yep. And Which I you took, heard about every third week, dude. I took a beating over that all the time. I was getting beat up. You don't know anything. I'm like, all right, I'm just telling you. I don't believe in him. Well, from Georgia's perspective this year, and one one bright side is in that game in 2018, they beat the snot out of Tua. He was eventually knocked out of that game, and Jalen Hurts came in and saved him. Yeah. That's not happening. If Bryce Young goes down, Alabama's done. So there you go. That's kind of the way it shakes out with the college football playoff, at least in our opinion. 
and that's the way it shakes out for the SEC championship game. Meet next week, talk about an SEC championship victory. I think you're exactly right. Make sure you go and subscribe at UGASports.com. $99 a year or uh, $9.95 a month, but right now there is a special. What is it again? You get, uh, it's like $20? I think $20? it's 2021 for the first year. New sign up. It's $20.21. There you go for a full year of the best Georgia coverage that you can find anywhere. You will be the most informed Georgia fan that exists. I'm telling you, I'm a subscriber. You should be too. It is UGASports.com. And don't forget about the, uh, the college grades at pro football focus college and that's about a 139 a year you get all of brent's work there to find him on social media at brent rollins phd you can find me at tug cowart at 680 the fan at extra 1063 all kinds of handles if you're looking for at uj sports for that matter at pff there's, there's plenty of them if you want to find the best georgia coverage but otherwise make it a great day hope uh thanksgiving was well and it'll oh, be it good was. to be uh catch back up next week after the sec championship to see how close we were appreciate it take it easy the podcastpark.com is your home for the fans entire stable of original podcasts if you're a true atlanta sports fan you need to stay connected to shows like welcome to madlanta featuring atlanta's rich history of sports legends college football fans will love the chuck oliver show podcast two hours of college football talk every day all year and baseball fans get to dive into domino's archive of baseball legends on hardball subscribe to all these great shows and so many more anywhere you get your podcasts or stream them free 24-7 at thepodcastpark.com. Presented by Associated Credit Union. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.